Sojourn, Chapter 9, The Chase What is it? Fred asked, cautiously moving behind the folds of Dove's forest green cape. Dove and even Roddy also moved tentatively, for while the creature seemed dead, they'd never seen anything quite like it. It appeared to be some strange giant-sized mutation between a goblin and a wolf. They gained in courage as they neared the body, convinced that it was truly dead. Dove bent low and tapped it with his sword. It has been dead for more than a day, by my guess, she announced. But what is it? Fret asked again. Half-breed, Roddy muttered. Dove closely inspected the creature's strange joints. She noted, too, the wounds inflicted upon the thing, tearing wounds like those caused by the scratching of a great cat. Shape-changer, guessed Gabriel, keeping watch at the side of the rocky area. Dove nodded. Killed halfway through. I never heard of any goblin wizards, Roddy protested. Oh, yes, Fret began, smoothing the sleeves of his soft cloth tunic. There was, of course, Grubby the Wiseless, pretended archmage who... A whistle from high above stopped the dwarf. Up on the ledge stood Kalendil, the elven archer, waving his arms about. More up here! The elf called when he had their attention. Two goblins and a red-skinned giant, the likes of which I have never seen. Dove scanned the cliff. She figured that she could scale it, but one look at poor Fret told her they would have to go back to the trail, a journey of more than a mile. You remain here, she said to Gabriel. The stern-faced men nodded and moved off to a defensive position among some boulders, while Dove, Roddy, and Fret headed back along the ravine. Halfway up the single winding path that moved along the cliff, they met Darda, the remaining fighter of the troop. A short and heavily muscled man, he scratched his stubby beard and examined what looked to be a plowshare. "'That's Thistledowns,' Roddy cried. "'I seen it out back of the farm, set for fixin'.' "'Why is it up here?' Dove asked. And why might it be bloodied? asked Darda, showing them the stains on the concave side. The fighter looked over the ledge into the ravine, then back to the plowshare. Some unfortunate creature hit this hard, Darda mused, then probably went into the ravine. All eyes focused on Dove as the ranger pulled her thick hair back from her face, put her chin in her delicate but calloused hand, and tried to sort out through this newest puzzle. The clues were too few, though, and a moment later Dove threw her hands up in exasperation and headed off along the trail. The path wound in and left the cliff as it leveled near the top, but Dove walked back over the edge right above where they'd left Gabriel. The fighter spotted her immediately, and his wave told the ranger that all was calm below. Come, Kalendil bade them, and he led the group into the cave. Some answers came clear to Dove as soon as they glanced upon the carnage of the inner room. "'Bargest whelp!' exclaimed Fret, looking upon the scarlet-skinned giant corpse. "'Bargest?' Roddy asked, perplexed. "'Of course!' piped in Fret. "'That does explain the wolf giant in the gorge.' "'Caught in the change,' Darter reasoned. "'It's many wounds and the stone floor took it before it could complete the transition.' "'Bargest?' Roddy asked again, this time angrily, not appreciating being left out of a discussion that he could not understand. "'A creature from another plane of existence,' Fred explained. 
Gehenna, it is rumored. Bargests send their whelps to other plains, sometimes to our own, to feed and to grow. He paused a moment in thought. To feed, he said again, his tone leading the others. The woman in the barn, Dove said evenly. The members of Dove's troop nodded their heads at the sudden revelation. But grim-faced McGristle held stubborn to his original theory. Drow killed him, he growled. Have you the broken scimitar? Dove asked. Roddy produced the weapon from beneath one of the many folds in his layered skin garments. Dove took the weapon and bent low to examine the dead bargest. The blade unmistakably matched the beast's wounds, especially the fatal wounds in the bargest's throat. You said that the drow wielded two of these, Dove remarked to Roddy as she held up the scimitar. Mayor said that, Roddy corrected. On account of the story Thistledown's son told, when I seen the drow, he took back the weapon. He had just the one, the one he used to kill the Thistledown clan. Roddy purposefully didn't mention that the drow, while wielding just the one weapon, had scabbards for two scimitars on his belt. Dove shook her head, doubting the theory. The drow killed this bargest, she said. The wounds match the blade. The sister blade's the one you hold, I would guess. And if you check the goblins in the front room, you will find that their throats were slashed by a similar curving scimitar. Like the wounds on the thistledowns, Roddy snarled. Dove thought it best to keep her budding hypothesis quiet, but Fret, disliking the big man, echoed the thoughts of all but McGristle. Killed by the bargest! the dwarf proclaimed, remembering the two sets of prints in the farmyard. In the form of the drow! Roddy glowered at him, and Dove cast Fret a leading look, wanting the dwarf to remain silent. Fret misinterpreted the ranger's stare, though, thinking it astonishment of his reasoning power, and he proudly continued, That explains the two sets of tracks, the heavier, earlier set by the bar. But what of the creature in the gorge? Darda asked Dove, understanding the leader's desire to shut Fred up. Might its wounds, too, match the curving blade? Dove thought for a moment and managed to subtly nod her thanks to Darda. Some, perhaps, she answered. More likely, that bargess was killed by the panther. She looked directly at Roddy. The cat you claim the drow kept as a pet. Roddy kicked the dead bargess. Drow killed the thistledown clan he growled. Roddy had lost a dog and an ear to the Dark Elf, and would not accept any conclusion that lessened his chances of claiming the two thousand gold-piece bounty that the mayor had levied. A call from outside the cave ended the debate. Both Dove and Roddy were glad of that. After leading the troop into the lair, Kalendal had returned outside, following up on some further clues he had discovered. A bootprint, the elf explained, pointing to a small mossy patch when the others came out. And here, he showed them scratches in the stone, a clear sign of a scuffle. My belief is that the drow went to the ledge, Kalendal explained, and then over, perhaps in pursuit of the bargest and the panther, though on that point I'm merely assuming. After a moment of following the trail Kalendal had reconstructed, Dove and Darda and even Roddy agreed with the assumption. We should go back into the ravine, Dove suggested, 
Perhaps we will find a trail beyond the Stony Gorge that will lead us towards some clearer answers. Roddy scratched at the scabs on his head and flashed Dove a disdainful look that showed her his emotions. Roddy cared not a little bit for any of the rangers' promised clearer answers, having drawn all the conclusions that he needed long ago. Roddy had determined, beyond anything else, Dove knew, to bring back the Dark Elf's head. Dove Falconhand was not so certain about the murderer's identity. Many questions remained for both the ranger and for the other members of her troop. Why hadn't the drow killed the Thistledown children when they had met earlier in the mountains? If Connor's tale to the mare had been true, then why had the drow given the boy back his weapon? Dove was firmly convinced that the Bargest, and not the drow, had slaughtered the Thistledown family. But why had the drow apparently gone after the Bargest lair? Was the drow in league with the Bargests? A communion that fast soured. Even more intriguing to the ranger, whose very creed was to protect civilians in the unending war between the good races and monsters, had the drow sought out the Bargest to avenge the slaughter of the farm? Dove suspected the latter was truth, but she couldn't understand the drow's motives. Had the Bargest, in killing the family, put the farmers of Maldabar on alert, thereby ruining a planned drow raid? Again, the pieces didn't fit properly. If the Dark Elves planned a raid on Maldabar, then certainly none of them would have revealed themselves beforehand. Something inside Dove told her that this single drow had acted alone, had come out to avenge the slain farmers. She shrugged it off as a trick of her own optimism and reminded herself that Dark Elves were rarely known for their ranger-like acts. By the time the five got down the narrow path and returned to the site of the largest corpse, Gabriel had already found the trail heading deep into the mountains. Two sets of tracks were evident, the drows and fresher ones belonging to a giant bipedal creature, possibly a third bargest. Whatever happened to the panther? Fret asked, growing a bit overwhelmed by his first field expedition in many years. Dove laughed aloud and shook her head helplessly. Every answer seemed to bring so many more questions. Driz kept on move at night, running as he had for so many years from yet another grim reality. He had not killed the farmers. He had actually saved them from the Knoll Band. But now they were dead. Driz could not escape that fact. He had entered their lives quite on his own will, and now they were dead. On the second night after his encounter with the hill giant, Drizzt saw a different campfire far down the winding mountain trails, back in the direction of the Barges Lair. Knowing this sight was more than a coincidence, the drow summoned Gwenhyver to his side, then sent the panther down for a closer look. Tirelessly, the great cat ran, its sleek black form invisible in the evening shadows as it rapidly closed the distance to the camp. Dove and Gabriel rested easily by the campfire, amused by the continuing antics of Fred, who busily cleaned his soft jerkin with a stiff brush and grumbled all the while. Roddy kept to himself across the way, securely tucked into a niche between the fallen tree and a large rock, his dog curled up at his feet. "'Oh, bother for this dirt!' Fred groaned. "'Never, never will I get this outfit clean! I shall have to buy a new one!' He looked at Dove, who was futilely trying to hold a straight face. "'Laugh if you will, Mistress Falconhand,' the dwarf admonished. "'The price will come out of your purse, do not doubt.' "'A sorry day it is when one must buy fineries for a dwarf.' 
Gabriel put in, and at his words, Dove burst into laughter. Laugh if you will, Fred said again, and he rubbed harder with the brush, wearing a hole right through the garment. Drat and de-bother! He cursed then, and threw the brush to the ground. Shut your mouth! Roddy groused at them, stealing the mirth. Do you mean to bring the drow down upon us? Gabriel's ensuing glare was uncompromising, but Dove, realizing that the mountain man's advice, though rudely given, was appropriate. Let us rest, Gabriel, the ranger said to her fighting companions. Darda and Kalenda will be in soon, and our turn shall come for watch. I expect tomorrow's road will be no less wearisome, she looked at Fred and winked, and no less dirty than today's. Gabriel shrugged, hung his pipe in his mouth, and clasped his hands behind his head. This was the life that he and all the adventuring companions enjoyed, camping under the stars with the song of the mountain wind in their ears. Fret, though, tossed and turned on the high ground, grumbling and growling as he moved through each uncomfortable position. Gabriel didn't need to look at Dove to know that she shared his smile, nor did he have to glance over at Roddy to know that the mountain men fumed at the continuing noise. It no doubt seemed negligible to the ears of the city-living dwarf, but rang out conspicuously to those more accustomed to the road. A whistle from the darkness sounded at the same time Roddy's dog put its fur up and growled. Dove and Gabriel were up and over to the side of the camp in a second, moving to the perimeter of the firelight in the direction of Darda's call. Likewise, Roddy pulling his dog along slipped around the large rock, out of the direct light so that their eyes could adjust to the gloom. Fret, too involved with his own discomfort, finally noticed the movements. What? the dwarf asked curiously. What? After a brief and whispered conversation with Darda, Dove and Gabriel split up, circling the camp in opposite directions to ensure the integrity of the perimeter. The tree, came a soft whisper, and Dove dropped into a crouch. In a moment, she sorted out Roddy, cleverly concealed between the rock and some brush. The big man, too, had his weapon readied, and his other hand held the dog's muzzle tightly, keeping the animal silent. Dove followed Roddy's nod to the widespread branches of a solitary elm. At first, the ranger could discern nothing unusual among the leafy branches, but then came the yellow flashes of feline eyes. Drow's panther, Dove whispered. Roddy nodded his agreement. They sat very still and watched, knowing that the slightest movement could alert the cat. A few seconds later, Gabriel joined them, falling into a silent position and following their eyes to the same darker spot on the elm. All three understood that time was their ally. Even now, Darda and Kalendil were no doubt moving into position. Their trap would surely have had Gwenhyver, but a moment later, the Grey Dwarf crashed out of the campsite, stumbling right into Roddy. The mountain man nearly fell over, and when he reflexively threw his weaponless hand out to catch himself, his dog rushed out, baying wildly. Like a black-shafted arrow, the panther bolted from the tree and flew off into the night. Fortune was not with Gwenhyver, though, for it crossed straight by Kalendil's position, and the keen-visioned elven archers saw it clearly. Kalendil heard the barking and shouting in the distance back at the camp, but had no way of knowing what had transpired. Any hesitation the elf had, however, was quickly dispelled by one voice that called out clearly. "'Kill the murdering thing!' Roddy cried. Thinking that the panther or its drow companion must have attacked the campsite, Kalendil let his arrow fly. 
The enchanted dart buried itself deep into Gwenhyver's flank as the panther rushed by. Then came Dove's call, berating Roddy. Do not! The rangers shouted. The panther has done nothing to deserve our ire. Kalendal rushed out to the panther's trail. With his sensitive elven eyes viewing in the infrared spectrum, he clearly saw the heat of the blood dotting the area of the hit and trailing away from the camp. Dove and the others came upon him a moment later. Kalendal's elven features, always angular and beautiful, seemed sharp as his angry glare fell over Roddy. "'You have misguided my shot, McGristle,' he said angrily. "'On your words, I shot a creature undeserving of an arrow.' I warn you once, and once alone, to never do so again. After a final glare to show the mountain man how much he meant his words, Kalendal stalked off along the blood trail. Angry fires welled in Roddy, but he sublimated them, understanding that he stood alone against the formidable foursome and the tidy dwarf. Roddy did let his glare drop upon Fret, though, knowing that none of the others could disagree with his judgment. "'Keep your tongue in your mouth when danger nears,' Roddy growled. "'And keep your stinking boots off my back!' Fret looked around incredulously as the group began to move off after Kalendal. "'Stinking?' the dwarf asked aloud. He looked down, wounded to his finely polished boots. "'Stinking?' he said to Dove, who paused to offer a comforting smile. "'Dirtied by one's back, more likely!' Gwenhyver limped back to Drizzt soon after the first rays of dawn peeked through the eastern mountains. Drizzt shook his head helplessly, almost unsurprised by the arrow protruding from Gwenhyver's flank. Reluctantly, but knowing it a wise course, Drizzt drew out the dagger he had taken from the quickling and cut the bolt free. Gwenhyver growled softly through the procedure, but lay still and offered no resistance. Then Drizzt, though he wanted to keep Gwenhyver by his side, allowed the panther to return to its astral home, where the wound would heal faster. The arrow had told the drow all he needed to know about his pursuers, and Driz believed that he would need the panther again all too soon. He stood out on a rocky outcropping, and peered through the growing brightness to the lower trails, to the expected approach of yet another enemy. He saw nothing, of course. Even wounded, Gwenhyver had easily outdistanced the pursuit, and, for a man or similar being, the campfire was many hours' travel. But they would come, Driz knew forcing him into yet another battle that he did not want. Drizzt looked all around, wondering what devious traps he could set for them, what advantages he could gain when the encounter came to blows, as every encounter seemed to. Memories of his last meeting with humans, of the man with the dogs and the other farmers, abruptly altered Drizzt's thinking. On that occasion, the battle had been inspired by misunderstanding, a barrier that Drizzt doubted he could ever overcome. Drizzt had fostered no desire to fight against the humans and fostered none now, despite Gwenhyver's wound. The light was growing, and the still injured drow, though he had rested through the night, wanted to find a dark and comfortable hole. But Drizzt could afford no delays, not if he wanted to keep ahead of the coming battle. How far will you follow me? Drizzt whispered into the morning breeze. He vowed in a somber but determined tone, We shall see.